This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Shavua Tov. Have a wonderful week ahead. This is Rebetzin Adel Kazilski, and we are here together for the next uh, good three quarters of an hour where we are going to be listening and learning and uh, joining together in understanding the profundity of the book of Genesis, particularly we are, we started last week on the Parsha of Vayera, which is the fourth Parsha of the Torah, the fourth portion of the Torah. And we are exploring the comings and goings of our forefather Abraham and how he actually became our forefather. Not only our forefather, but really the forefather of the other two uh, religions, um, as we know, that he had a son Yishmael that eventually became the Arab uh, Muslim world, and of course his uh, grandson Asav then gave birth to what we know today as modern Christianity. So Abraham was put through ten tests, and uh, God wanted to see how well he fared. And while he is going through these trials and tribulations, these challenges. He not only grows in stature himself, but he gives us a tremendous amount of teaching on how to behave and how a Jew is supposed to act in various circumstances. Last week we spent exactly, no, we spent three quarters of an hour on exactly one verse. Um, and that's actually just quite amazing and always mind boggles me when the Torah is so replete with so much information in such a concise way that not only can we spend so much time discussing one verse, 11 words, but that we can come back to it again and again and again, year after year, and um, understand different ideas and different concepts. So we're going to pick up where we went, where we, where we left off last week. Last week we spoke about the fact that he was ill. And God came and paid him a Bikur Cholim visit. He came to visit the sick. And we learned a lot of laws regarding Bikur Cholim, about visiting the sick, and how it is not only merely about coming into a sick person's room and visiting him, but rather it is a much, much bigger mitzvah that not only encompasses the actual visit, but the fact that we should be praying for them, we should be doing everything in our power to alleviate their pain and uh, bringing a meal, cleaning up their house, taking the kids on, you know, for a lift scheme or any other deed that will um, assist the sick person to gain back their strength it is, falls under the topic of Bikur Choylem. As always, I love it when I hear from you, not only when I hear from you and we bump into each other somewhere in Johannesburg. I love to hear with you while I'm online. Our studio number is 010-140-3020. And our telegram number is 061-895-1019. Very easy. 061-895-1019. And even easier is just to SMS us on 34519. Let me know your thoughts, if you have any questions, if you have anything to say. Please, don't be shy. Don't find me a week or two weeks later somewhere in the, in, in, in the Johannesburg vicinity and ask me the question. Don't be shy. I don't even have to mention your name. But let's, uh, let's talk on air. Right. With no further ado, we're on chapter 18, verse 2. I'll read verse 1 again, um, just to remind you where we, where, where we started. It was really, really simple. It says, and God appeared to Abraham in the 
orchards of Mamre, and he was sitting at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, and we learned from there that he was actually in a tremendous amount of pain. God made it hot outside. Um, the sun was there to heal him, but also to keep him away from the thing that he loved to do the most. And this is what we are going to discuss today. He was Mr. Hospitality Supreme. Avraham loved, loved hospitality, loved bringing people in, talking to people, getting to know them, um, challenging them on their worldviews, and um, a lot of his um, McCarving, he's pe- getting people to come closer to the idea that there was a true God and not idol worship as was prevalent in those days w- happened through the vehicle of hospitality. So there he is sitting there and verse two says the following. Vayisa Einav, he lifts up his eyes, Vayar, and he sees, he sees three men standing over him. Vayarats, and he runs, he runs. Vayar, and he sees, sorry, the other way around. Vayar, he sees them. Vayarats, likratam, he runs to greet them. Mipetacha ohel, from the door of the tent. Vayishtacha and he bows down to the earth. So imagine again the scene, Abraham sitting outside the tent, his tent, and it says that he lifts up his eyes and there are three men standing over him. He sees them. He runs from the door of the tent, of the door of the tent to greet him and he bows down to earth. Now we are told in the Midrash and the Yalkut Mamloes that he actually, um, was sitting there because he had already sent his servant Eliezer to go out and invite them in. And Eliezer had come back and said, I saw no one. So Abraham didn't rely on his servant. He himself went out to see if he could find any travelers because he really, really, really wanted to fulfill the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchem, of hospitality. And he sat there and he waited until 10 o'clock in the morning. We, we, we learned last week that it was round about 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, and he ha- hadn't eaten because he was hoping to share his breakfast with somebody in need. How incredible is that? How often do you sit and wait and not eat your breakfast because you're looking to share your breakfast with somebody else? But that was our father, Abraham. What did God do? God sent three angels to him. In fact, we are told that these three strangers were in fact angels. It was the angel Michal, Gabriel, and Raphael. In English, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, Raphael, I guess you could call them. I will continue calling them by their Hebrew names. And they were actually coming to to talk to Abraham because they had messages for him. But in order to give Abraham a chance to display hospitality, God sent them in human form um, so that Abraham could fulfill the need of sharing his breakfast, of being kind to them, of being hospitable to them. Um, And so it says that Abraham saw them as plain people. He wanted to suss out what kind of men they were, if they were intelligent, they were polite, they were not. And truth be said, 
We're told in the Midrash that at the point that they were coming, he was actually changing the dressing of his brit miller, of his bris, and they saw that he was in tremendous amount of pain, so they turned around and they walked away. Now, this part of the story is said because if you actually look at the verse, if we didn't have this piece of information, it would not make sense. It says, Vayisa enav, he lifts up his eyes, Vayarvi, he anashim alav. He looks up and he sees three men standing over him. And then immediately afterwards it says, Vayar, Vayaratz likratam. He sees them and he runs to, to, to call them. Well, if they're standing on top of you, you don't have to then get up and look again and run and go fetch them. So we're taught that uh, what happened really was is that the three men actually landed up at, at his doorstep. He didn't um, – he wasn't completely fully aware of the fact that they were, st- he w- they were standing on top of him. But when they were standing on top of him, they saw that he was in a lot of pain trying to change his dressing. And so they turned and they left. Vayar, and so Avram saw that, Vayarat Likratam, he got up to greet them. There's another um, idea is, how did he ran, run out to greet them? If they were in fact now walking away from him, it should have said he ran after them. But we're explained again um, that Avraham's house had an entrance in every direction. And when they left him, they actually walked around the corner of the house. And so Avram took a shortcut through the building so that he, on the other side, he could in fact meet them head on. So this explains what was going on here. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. So Abraham realizes that now he had three strangers that had come to him, got a bit of a fright, didn't want to bother him um, because he was in a lot of pain while he was changing his dressings, jumps up, runs to the other side of the house, through the other entrance, and he greets them. He comes out to greet them. Verse 3 says, Vayomer, he says, Adonai imna matzati chen be'enecha alna ta'avor me'alavdecha. My Lord, if I find favor in your eyes, do not bypass your servant. Now, the word Adonai here, I am pronouncing it in full because it does not mean anything to do with God, but it means my Lord. He was actually speaking to the angels. But we must take note that this name is usually reserved for God. And as we mentioned last week, Hashem, the divine presence, was still in his house. So what actually had to happen was that Avram had to take leave of the divine presence in order to care for his guests. Now, Avram was very, very perceptive, and he noticed that these people, alias angels or angels alias people, really respected one another and that they were not common People. In fact, he noticed that they held a tremendous amount of respect for each other. How did he know that? Well, when the angels walked, Michal, who's the greatest of all three angels, was in the middle. Gabriel was to his right. Raphael was to his left. And we're told that if three men are walking together, the most important walks in the center with 
the others on either side. And from there, we, from this incident, we learn that when you are walking together, the person who is the most important must be granted center stage. It's just common decency and a way in which to give honor to um, the person who is holding the greatest stature. Um, we even see it in the Gomorrah with people riding horseback. We're told a story in the Gomorrah of two sages, Levi and Rabba. Now, Levi was Rabba's student, meaning Rabba was the greater of the two. They were riding together, and as they were riding, Levi's donkey decided to uh, gallop a little bit, and he started galloping forward, leaving Rabba behind. And Levi had a, a difficulty trying to rein, rein the donkey back, and, and, and he passed Rabba. Um, Rubber got really ang- angry, thinking that Levi had done it, so, had, had done it deliber- deliberately. But we are told in the Gomorrah that Levi could not attend Rubber's lectures until he sought forgiveness, because it was considered a slight of dignity, a slight of the covet of the honor that one needs to give another. Now, for anybody who learns a Gomorrah, there's a very, very interesting statement which I'm saying, I'm prefacing before I say this, because particularly in South Africa, I think that um, we fulfill this way too much. But there is a dictum in the Gemara that says, etiquette does not apply on the road. So when I first read this and I was learning about it, I actually like chuckled to myself, thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> I think South Africans take that really, really seriously, that etiquette does not apply to the road. But when the Gomorrah is telling that, it does not mean that we should behave the way um, we behave on the road in South Africa, but rather that one has to have the sensitivity that one always gives covered, one always gives honor and gives dignity and gives respect to somebody who is of a higher stature than them, whether it's in learning or in 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 in, uh, in understanding and age, etc., etc. Now, our rabbis went and said etiquette does not apply on the road, meaning that if people are traveling separately, so you could go and say, well, I'm not allowed to, as I've just given you the example of Levi and Rabbi, Levi, it was not etiquette for Levi to overtake Rubber because Rubber was his teacher. He should have just hung a little bit behind him, right? And it caused a bit of a farrebel. So when I'm traveling on the road, if there's one or two or three cars and the, there is a person who's much more important, you should, you do not have to worry, says the Torah, about traveling separately um, and coming to a place where you cannot go to abreast. So in a road, generally, in a highway or wherever we're going or on a road that we're coming to place, generally we can't go abreast and you can't give cover to a person like that. So one should not worry about it and one need not show respect to the other by letting him go in first as long as they are not in a house requiring a mezuzah. Once there's a mezuzah on the house, we know that the house itself is accorded a certain sanctity, a certain amount of holiness. And therefore, on entering the house, one needs to behave in a manner of etiquette, respect, dignity, integrity. And if you're coming in with somebody, then you need to allow whoever it is to go first. Now, 
if you actually think about it, never mind etiquette does not does not um, do, uh, does not apply on the road. Today, etiquette doesn't apply. Period. And one of the things that you can see here from Torah is that Torah is very, very, very stands very strong in rega- regarding the, the the concept of etiquette and respect and honor. Really gone are the days where the door was opened for the lady, where people stood up when elders or, you know, more official people walked in. Gone are the days where there is the commandment in the laws of honoring your parents that you're not allowed to sit in your parents' seat, that you need to get up when your parent walks in. You can see from here that Torah was very much about presenting oneself to the world in an integrous, respectful, dignified manner and knowing one's place. So um, here we see that even when one, the Gemara says, even when one travels in a coach, a student must honor his master and he must always show respect for his master. Now, where are we learning all of this from? We're going back to the way that Abraham behaved. Now, we're talking about a man who had just had the divine presence rest on him. God came to visit him. We spoke about the fact that through having the Brit Miller, he had reached an extraordinarily high um, level of nevoir, of prophecy, of connectedness to God. We're talking about somebody that's famous, somebody that um, name was known far and beyond the four corners of his tent. And three strangers... Albeit that I'm telling you that they were angels, three strangers rock up at his house and they, A, for Abraham, he quickly sussed them out to see that they were respectful because they carried themselves with dignity. They turned around when they saw that he was in pain and they didn't want to bother him. And vice versa, we learned the contrary, that Abraham in his greatness, in who he was, could have gone and said, well, you know what, I've just done a hugely massive mitzvah. You know, and um, I deserve some rest. I don't have to go out. On the contrary, not only did he now invite them to, to, to eat, but he actually ran out to greet them despite his pain. That's number one. And number two, and even more importantly, he left God hanging. And from here we learn greater is the mitzvah of Hachnasat Ochim than the de- deliberation and discussion with the divine presence. That if you were sitting there having a discussion with God Almighty and you saw somebody that needed some assistance, whether it be Hachnasat Ochim, which it says in this context, but probably in most others that you are obligated to take leave of God and go and attend to people. Isn't that actually amazing? Isn't that how incredible Torah is that it teaches good manners. It teaches a person their place. It teaches a person sensitivity. It teaches a person how to behave and how to choose right over wrong. A simple verse like this. And woe and how we bemoan the fact that today this type of sensitivity has certainly been eroded in many, many circumstances. And if we should take only one lesson from today, it's for us to be more cognizant of this fact and behave in a much more menschlich way when we are dealing with others and having a sensitivity to others. It would, it would make this world 
a much, much better place. Verse 4. What does he say? So he runs across his tent to the other side and he bumps into them and he greets them head on. He says, Yukach na ma'at mayim. Let some water be brought. Verachatsu raglehem. Wash your feet. Vehishanu tachada eitz. And just come rest under the tree. He's offering them some water to wash their feet and to, for them to sit under a tree and relax. And then he goes on to say, and then I'm going to go back and dissect the verses. He says, the ekha pat lechem, I will fetch a morsel of bread, pat lechem, a piece of bread. Vesa'adu libchem, you'll be able to refresh yourselves. You'll be able to eat with your heart, meaning you'll be able to refresh yourselves. And then you'll be able to continue. Because then this will be a good reason why you came past your servants. And they said, All right, do it, as you have spoken. Now, exactly what did Abraham offer them? He offered them some water to wash their feet, a tree to sit under, and a morsel of bread. The end. Nothing extravagant. Nothing amazing. Didn't sit down and say, sit down, let me give you a four-course meal. Hang on, let me call the caterer. Let me bring out my gold and silver. Let me bring out my bone china. One minute, I'll give you a buffet like you've never seen before. He offered them very, very little. Water to wash their legs and a morsel of bread so that they could eat, feel fulfilled and leave. And in this way, he would have fulfilled the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchem. What are we, what is the Torah telling us about that? Well, quite a number of things. The first is, let's discuss why he had to offer them water to wash their feet. So we're told that at that time it was customary for people who worshipped, um, for people w- w- to worship the dust of their feet. And this was, was something that was not palatable to Abraham. And he wouldn't allow anybody to enter his house with what, without washing their feet first. Now, you could listen to this and think, well, that's pretty ridiculous. You know, you don't invite a guest into the house and say, look, before you walk into the house, here's my shower. You know, go wash yourself. Unless the person has come and you can see that they're exceedingly uncomfortable because they've been on a very long trip and, and, and a good shower would do them good or whatever have you. Generally, when we invite people over for a Friday night meal or for a meal to join us, we don't go and say, well, let's just like wash you up. What is this really saying on a much, much deeper level? So, if we understood that they served God, they served, sorry, not God, they served the dust of their feet, meaning they looked at dust as a form of idol worship. By inference, what this was saying was that they did not trust in God. They, the people of the time and the angels that came, gave off the impression that any good that came to them was a result of their efforts. Because why? You run with your feet, right? Your feet takes you to where you want to go. 
Um, there's a verse in Deuteronomy that says, Koichi ve'atzmi biyadi. The, the, the strength and the might of my hand brought me this wealth. That this is the illusion of the world. We think that it's us that gets everything done. And so, on a metaphoric level, we're very much idol worshippers today. Because it was me. It was my education. It was my cleverness. It was, was me going to that conference. It was me shaking hands with this one. It was me that thought this up. It was me that did this. And that's why I am now successful. I'm famous. Fill in, fill in the rest. It's a form of idol worship. And so the dust on the feet of the, the, these angels is metaphoric that the reason why it repulsed Abraham so much was that it said, it's my strength, it's me that knows that I'm running to do something, and it's in my power. So it, it, it's like idolatry. It's like abandoning God and worshipping what? Your own effort. Abraham, therefore, made his guests wash his feet, their feet. What does that mean? On a metaphoric le- level, what he was saying is, is that he was saying to them, I want you to purify yourself. I want you to get rid from this erroneous idea. One should not rely on his own efforts. You only can rely on God. And so the very first step in teaching, and this was Abraham's modus operandi, he would say, take some water and wash the, the dust off your feet. Take away the idea that you are in charge of everything because you are not. God is in charge. And then what does he say? Sit under this tree. Again, while it can physically mean and it is indicative that he wanted to give them some rest, some respite from the heat that was out there, what he was saying is, is that you need to um, start clinging to the tree, which is an allusion to God, who we say the Torah is Eitz Chaim He. The Torah is a tree of life, who hold on to it. What was he really telling the guys? You need to trust in God completely because everything is in his hands. He gives men all their needs and effort alone, just effort from your side, will accomplish nothing without the blessing from God. Does this mean we should do nothing? Not at all. We need to to be involved, we need to have what's called hishtadlot. We need to, 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 to make an opening for God to bring that blessing. But at the same time, we need to cure ourselves of the fact that we think that it's me. I was so clever because I had that meeting. I'm so clever because I've got the PhD. I'm so clever. I'm, this is why I'm successful because it was my strength, my knowledge, my standing, my et cetera, et cetera. When on the contrary, the first idea in order to turn your life around and live a life that is connected to that which is moral and real and integrous and holy, you need to wash your feet off. You need to wash that dust, that idolatrous dust of this is me, myself, and I, and I manage everything. And you must cling to the tree of life, the tree of, of God, his Torah, and from there you'll be able to connect to godliness. 
This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we're discussing the modus operandi of how to do Hachnasat Orchim, Abraham's way. So after telling them that the first concept that he teaches people is that they should rely on God and not on their own strength, he says the following, the Ekha Patlechem, we read it just before the break, I'll fetch you a morsel of bread. You can refresh yourselves and you can continue on your way and let this be the reason for you passing by your servants. They go, A for away, all right, do as you have spoken. But here we learn an incredible lesson about Abraham. Okay, there is a saying that says the righteous say little but do much. You can see here he says the ekha. Pat lechem. I'm going to give you a piece of bread. I'm going to give you something small. We'll see now in the verses that he didn't just give them a slice of bread and let them eat and feel satisfied. We're going to see he actually did cook up one heck of a storm. He gave him a buffet. But our rabbis go and take this word pat and say pat also comes from the word pitom, which means suddenly. So what he was saying, if I had known you were coming, I would have prepared a great feast. But now that you came suddenly and you're in a hurry to be on your way, I can't do more. To which they replied, all right, do as you've spoken, a little bread is enough, don't bother yourself with anything more. All we need to do is refresh ourselves a bit. But still, this entire thing doesn't really sit well. If we are extolling the virtues of Torah, that it teaches us manners and it teaches us sensitivity to other people, what kind of manners is it to tell a guest to eat and then just leave? Like, you know, okay, so just have your little piece of bread and off you go. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you've come my way. So our rabbis come and teach us that this, in fact, is much deeper than the way that we, we see it. When the angels saw Abraham changing the dressing on his Brit Miller, they turned around to leave. Okay, When Abraham saw this, he became unsure of his test. Maybe they were leaving out of good manners, but it could be that they were also afraid that Abraham would ask them to circumcise themselves. So what does he say? In fact, he, he had a lot of manners, Abraham. He says, don't worry. After you eat, you can continue on your way. Which means that he is saying, I know that you just saw that I had circumcised myself. Don't worry. I'm not going to impose that on you. What was his so, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, metaphoric inverted commas. What was his imposition? He is only asking them two things. Take some water, wash your feet meaning give up your belief in idols, learn to trust in God, and second, take some bread, because through bread you'll see that Abraham made them say the proper blessing before and afterwards. He made them wash, say hamoitzi, and afterwards say berkat hamazon, because we know we have to eat, we have to bless God before we eat and after we eat, and that is to come and teach them that not only do you have to wash off the dust of your feet, the fact that you do everything, but you should also have gratitude always, thankfulness, appreciation to God 
that he does give you everything. So learn to say what? Thank you. That's what he was saying. And to that they replied, all right, do as you have spoken. Because had he come on really hard on them and, 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 and said to them, you know, circumcise yourself, etc., he would have been out of the, the, the McCurvin game very, very quickly, bringing people closer to God, because that, that is quite hectic. All he did was say, I want you to recognize God, throw away your idol worshiping concepts, and learn to show gratitude to God. But here now is where we see that Abraham did much more than was expected of him. Verse 6 says, Vayimaher Abraham ha'ohela, he rushes to the tent, doesn't dawdle, he rushes to Sarah's tent, Al-Sarah vayomer, and he says, Mahari, hurry up, shlosh si'im kemach solet lushi, vaasi ugot, take three fine measures of flour, knead it, and make rolls. Ve'elabakarats, Abraham, and then he ran to his cattle, vayikach ben bakarach vatov, he chooses a tender choice calf, vayiten elanar, and he gives it to the boy, to the lad, and he tells him, hurry up, prepare it. So then he takes the butter and the milk. And the calf that he had prepared. And he gave it before them. He stood um, over them while they were under the tree. And they ate. So here is the juxtaposition of Abraham saying, yeah, I'm giving you pat lechem, wash your feet, here's some pat, pat lechem, a little portion of bread, and then you can go on your way. But when Abraham comes in to his tent to give instructions, he's telling Sarah to cook up a storm, to make rogalach and begalach and sabras and everything made of fine flour. He then rushes out and he chooses the best cut of meat and puts the whole meal together and then sits and he stands at service while they are eating it. We have one or two questions that can be asked or ideas that we can learn from. Firstly, look at the verse 8 that we just finished. Vayika chema vechalav ben bakar asher asar. He brings them butter and milk and then the calf he prepared. This is a teaching in Kashrut, in how we follow the laws of Kashrut. We know very well that meat and milk, they cannot be mixed. Um, here we see that Abraham is giving them a milk dish and then a meat dish. The halakha states that if you want to have something milkic, you want to eat milk, you may do so and then most of uh, uh, Poskim hold, most rabbis hold that you need to rinse out your mouth and wait till up to an hour before you can serve the meat. Here we see the sequence. First he gave them Chema Vechalav and then he gave them Ben Bakar Asher Asa. He gave them um, meat and one of the other ideas in terms of eating milk before meat, that is not true with regard, by the way, of meat, of, of milk after meat. If you have to or want to eat milk after meat, meaning you'd like to tuck into some nice milk ice cream, um, after you've eaten meat, 
you have to wait an obligatory three, minimum three to six hours, um, consult your rabbi as to your custom. Um, you cannot eat milk after meat. So let's go very clearly through it. You can have milk a dish before a meat dish. You cannot have a milk dish with a meat dish. You cannot have a milk dish after a meat dish. And one of the most important things is, is that Avraham stood over them. And one of the ideas that we are told is that he stood over them so that they should not make the mistake of taking something that was left off their milk plate and put them on their meat, meat plate. And so our rabbis teach that if one is sitting down to a meal and you have somebody who's eating a milk meal, and somebody's eating a meat meal. This would generally happen probably at home when you have a fussy family. Um, or somebody is vegetarian and eating, I don't know, macaroni cheese and everybody else is sitting down to chops and chips. There has to be a clear delineation um, on the, the table that dele- delineates what part of the table is milk and the other is meat because one has to be very careful. And that's why Avram stood over them to watch that they don't mix meat and milk. <laughs> This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. And we're going to wrap up because unfortunately time has run away from us. I'd like to bring out one more idea that we see in the verses, which is so important today and again something that we have left to fall by the wayside. And that is, I'm going back to verse 7 where it says, The El Habaka Rats Avraham. Avraham ran. To the cattle, Vayikach ben Bakar, he took a tender calf choice, Rach v'tov, it was soft and good, Vayiten el nahar, and he gave it to the lad, Vayimaher la sototo, and the lad hurried to prepare it. Who was this lad? So our rabbis go and teach, it was Ishmael, his son. What was Avraham doing? He was training him in the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim. And the rabbis come and teach us here, that it is a, it is incumbent upon a parent to train their children to do good deeds, even when they are small, so that when they come of age, they will be accustomed to do good. Now, how sad it is today that many, many times what we've done as parents is just said, oh, I can't be bothered, they don't want to, they're too small, they don't understand, and we run ourselves off our feet to trying to do absolutely everything. And then we see our children grow up and we look back and say, heck, why are they so lazy? Why don't they want to put in some effort? The onus rests on the parent. There is no child too small who can learn how to go out and help people. And yes, thank God, in South Africa, we are very fortunate, particularly in our homes, to have a tremendous amount of domestic help. Nevertheless, notwithstanding, one should train the kids, even small, from the age of three or four. Let them set the table, let them put the forks out, let them put the the serviettes in the glasses, let them help you chop up uh, the vegetables, let them do whatever is age appropriate, because it is when they are young, when um, when they are young, that's when you're able to to exert the greatest influence and actually teach them what it means to fulfill not only the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchem, but on every level, whether it's visiting the sick, 
having hospitality, going out and doing a, a good deed of kindness. The way to educate the children is A, to be an example, and B, to include them. And this is exactly what Abraham did. And so I leave you with these ideas about um Showing hospitality to guests South Africans are world renowned For being very open And going um, To the nth degree And making our um, Guests comfortable Nevertheless There's always the ability to sharpen the, st- uh, the, the saw And make it even better And I hope that today You gleaned maybe just one thing That will make us be More moral, integrous and Menschlich people. Everybody, have a wonderful week.